uh, went back and forth all day on what I was going to preach tonight, and I've got about five sermons uh, ready to go. I didn't have them ready, but now I've got most of them ready, and uh, this is just where the Lord really has my heart tonight. I want to go back to that thought on blessed is the man, and I want to finish that. Uh, I'm very bad to start things and not get back to them, but that's all the Lord's business. Um, I just try to do what He tells me to do. But I do want to finish this thought, blessed is the man. And of course, we've taken our text every other time uh, from Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, and went through the Psalms. Uh, but tonight, uh, the, the thought leads us to the book of James. And so, uh, when you get there, we'll be in chapter number 1, uh, James chapter number 1. And I want to look at verse number 12, James in chapter number 1. And verse number 12, and if you're there, say, Amen. Amen. James chapter 1 and verse number 12, the Bible says this. Um, actually, let's look, let's look in, yeah, verse number 12, let's read that. The Bible said, Blessed is the man, there's our thought, that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall... Receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love Him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth He any man. Look at verse 14. But who? Every man. But every man is tempted. I believe we could say amen right there. Where does all this come from? When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Boy, that's some powerful scriptures. Uh, that we have just read. God moving upon the heart of James, the hand of James, through and by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, writes these words, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. And so if the Lord will help me, I want to continue that thought. We'll close that small unplanned series. And I want to preach to you on that thought. Blessed is the man. Please pray with me and pray for me tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we sure thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house again tonight. God, I thank you, Lord, for the honor and the privilege to open the blessed Word of God and preach, Lord, from the open bread of life. God, it's alive and it's well in my heart tonight. I pray, dear God, Lord, that you'd meet with us. And Lord, I pray that you'd move upon me. God, I'm just a man. And Lord, all I am at best is a man. But God, if you would help me, God, to help your people, Lord, I'd sure thank you. I can't do it alone. So God, please touch me and use me and anoint me. And God, speak to me tonight. Speak through me tonight for thy people and for thy glory. And for what you do in this place, Lord, on this Wednesday night, for this group of people, we'll sure lift our hands and thank and praise you for all that you say and do. Please meet with us one more time. In Jesus' name and for his lovely sake, and all the Lord's people saying, Amen and Amen. You may be seated tonight. Blessed 
is the man. We started out in Psalms chapter number 1. The Bible said, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. We started off by saying, Blessed is the man who walks with God. It is here in James, in the book of James, where and on into Hebrews where we find uh, out about a, a man named Enoch. And Enoch was known, uh, my friend, to walk with God. And so we preached on what it is to be a blessed man or a blessed woman. Uh, may I say tonight, blessed is the man who walks with God. Then secondly, we begin to look through the Psalms and the Bible uh, told us this. It said, blessed be the man unto whom God imputed not iniquity. And then we run over and we read where the Bible said that blessed is the man unto whom God imputeth not sin. And we begin to look at how a thrice holy God could look upon flesh man like me and you and not impute to us our sins and iniquity. How is it that God would look at us and would not see who we are for we see who we are. Well, there's only one way. Blessed is the man that's been washed by God. You must be washed in the crimson flow of Calvary's cross in order for God to, to, to impute unto you not our righteousness, not the pastor's righteousness, not your grandmother's righteousness, but God's righteousness was imputed unto you and I the day we were washed by God. Then thirdly we looked at this. Blessed is the man who waits on God. The psalmist said, blessed it is the man whose trust is in the Lord. And boy, it pays to wait on God. Uh, we talked about women like Sarah uh, who got ahead of God and uh, did not wait on God's plan for their life. And uh, what do you get from an impatient Sarah? You get an Ishmael. You get a wild man. You get a seed that's cursed with wildness and rebellion because people get impatient and stop and fail to wait on God. I'm telling you, if you want to be blessed tonight, you're going to have to learn how to wait on God. God don't work on your time. You need to remember this. God works on His time. And His time, listen out, His time is perfect. And His time is justified. And His time is righteous. And God's time don't always line up with our time. But if you'll learn to trust God and wait on God, blessed will you be. We said, fourthly, blessed is the man that worships God. Boy, we look at the he and the we and how the uh, how the issues of life and how the approaches of life in the book of Psalms, uh, uh, he, he was approached. It said he was approached, but then it turned from he to we when he went to the assembly. What do you do at the assembly? Brethren, we have met to worship. Blessed is the man who will haul off, raise his hands, say amen, Shout hallelujah. Take a laugh. Clap his hands. Sing a song. Preach a sermon. Take 
teacher class. I'm telling you, I feel good tonight. Blessed is the man that worships God. There's a lot of things I enjoy down here on this side of heaven, but it's hard to beat a good Holy Ghost church service when God blows in and the people of God can't hold it in no more. And you got to let out a little whoop or a hallelujah or an amen or oh me. Amen. Blessed is the man that worships God. Then we looked at blessed is the man that's whipped by God. Now that sound uh, may sound contrary uh, to a carnal minded Christian, but we know what the Bible said. It said, Blessed is the man whom the Lord uh, chasteneth. Uh, uh, we know this. The Bible said that uh, only a father will chasten his son because he loves him. In the end, we also read in our Bible that God only chastens those whom is his son and whom he loves. Uh, How is it a blessing when the God of heaven takes you back out back to the woodshed, busts your hide, puts you in line? Well, it lets you know a few things. Number one, you're not lost. Amen. Number two, you're loved. And number three, you've got the loyalty of the king. It ought to make somebody have Episcopalian shout tonight that the king's eyes on you. I'm telling you, there's a glory to God. There's a lot of people don't know who I am. There's a lot of people don't care who I am. There's a lot of people don't know where I live. There's even more people don't care where I live. There's a whole world full of people that don't know where I pastor. And that's fine. But I'm here to tell you tonight, the great God of glory, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the chief cornerstone, the Prince of Peace. I'm telling you, the lily, the valley, and the rose of Sharon, he knows just exactly who I am. And it's a blessing when God chastises me. Let's me know he loves me. Blessed is the man who's whipped by God. Then we seem lastly, before we get to the very last point, blessed is the man who loves the Word of God. The book of Psalms says over and over and over and over again, it speaks of the Word of God. Psalms 119 makes mention after mention after mention of the word of God blessed that the Bible said is the man that keeps my commandments that's the verse we read blessed is the man that keeps the Lord's commandments listen to me child of God there's a lot of things I endure there's a lot of things I put up with there's a lot of things that I've just got to carry around and I'm not real happy about it but may I say toting that word of God in my hand and packing it in my heart is one of the greatest things that God has ever allowed me to do. I'm telling you, if you can see the Word of God to the right, you can see the Word of God to the left, you can look high and look low. My friend, it was the Word of God that spoke this planet into existence. And when the world's on fire and all of hell has broke loose and the Antichrist has risen on the scene, and my friend, all those Babylonian bondage armies on the Middle East rise up to come against our Savior. My friend, not one swing will be swung. Not one sword will be drawn. Not one bomb will be fired. I'm telling you, not one arrow will set through the air. But our King, by the way, who's coming back with me and you to rule and reign for a thousand years, 
and then he's coming back in the second coming the Bible said that he'll stand on the Mount of Olives and he'll speak and the blood of all the demonic hellions that are against God's word they'll fall and the blood will rise to the horse's bridle it's not because of me and you it's not a denomination it's not some kind of religious fantasy but our king will speak and the blood will rise I'm telling you glory to God there's power in the word of the living God there's power in his book blessed is the man who loves his word you want to pattern your life after something quit looking at Hollywood are you listening to me boys and girls TikTok is not what you need to pattern yourself after. Come on, somebody. I ain't preaching on this, but I might ought to. Hollywood and movie stars and, and, and social media and Instagram and all, all, all the busty babes. Come on, somebody. Help me now. And all the muscular men and all the, and all the, all the hell that, that's influencing our generation. That's who they're patterning themselves after. But I'm going to tell you what you need to line up with. It's the Word. Hallelujah. It's the Word of God. Bible still says that for men to be masculine. That Bible still says for women to be feminine. That Bible still says that we all ought to be modest and clothed in humility and grace and honor and holiness. I'm telling you, blessed is the man who loves the Word of God. You'll live a blessed and a favored life. You pattern yourself after the cares of this world, you're headed for destruction. These good people that sit in churches just like you are tonight and their lives are ruined because they fell out of love with the Word of God. And they started looking to people and things and popularity and they started modeling their lives and they started adapting the ideology and the philosophy of this old world. And I'm here to tell you, the, the world's philosophy, all of it is contrary to the Word of God. Ain't none of it lines up with the Bible. I mean the things that are supposed to be right or wrong in the world's eyes and the things that are wrong in the Word of God are right in the world's eyes. Up is down to the world and down is up to the world. I'm telling you, that's why they think we're crazy. It's because the world has been brainwashed into thinking a thought process that's corrupt. Their minds are darkened. They're alienated. They're strangers to God. They're strangers to heaven. They're strangers to Holy Ghost. They're strangers to righteousness. They're strangers to holiness. I'm telling you a glory to God. Our family needs a revival of the Bible in these last days. We need to live according to the Word of God. That's what we need to do. Mamas and daddies, we ought to raise our children in the mere image of the Word of God. I'm telling you, it, it thrills my soul to have my four-year-old little boy the other day. Something came on. I don't know if it's television or phone or what it was. He looked at me and said, Hey, Dad. I said, Yes, son. He said, That song ain't about Jesus. Come on, somebody. Four years old, you think I sit him down and hammer him every day? Now, this song is, a, he calls them Jesus songs. This song is a Jesus song. This song is not. Do you think I do that? No. Where did he learn to have? You know what that's called? Discernment. 
He's four years old. He, he can't comprehend the lyrics of any songs. He don't understand there's power, power, power in the blood, the blood of the Lamb. There's one to working power uh, in the blood. He don't understand that, but he knows it's right. He's been taught right from wrong. And the power of the Word of God has made a difference in his life. Already. It'll do it again one day when he gets born into the family of God. And so I've come to tell you tonight, blessed is the man who loves the Word of God. Then tonight we find ourselves in James' epistle. And James says in verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Amen. Now if I know one thing, if, if I know one thing about everybody in the room, I know this tonight. We're all faced with temptations. They may be different for you than they are your neighbor, but the fact is we are all Faced with temptations. Blessed is the man, James said, who endureth temptations. Now, if I could, I want to dive into what the Bible says about temptation. Notice again, verse number 13. Read it with me. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. I, I, I know it sounds elementary, kind of silly to say this, but you'd be amazed at the people uh, that blame their fall and blame their faults on God. Uh, my friend, they will make accusations against God uh, when they mess up. Well, you know, God just give me this test and I failed. You better know something. The Bible said in Genesis chapter 22 and the Lord did tempt Abraham. We just read here that God don't tempt any man. So did the Bible contradict itself? Absolutely no possible way. Those words have two different meanings. One in James's epistle, it means to entice to sin. And in Abraham's uh, uh, test or temptation of Isaac, that was word literally means test and God did test Abraham but here it's saying that God will never, has never and can never entice or tempt somebody to sin. Verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away. Now here is the big, this is the big line that you need to keep in mind. He is drawn away from his own lust. You know who takes all the blame for men's failures and faults and falls it's two people either they blame God or they blame the devil I'm here to tell you tonight as a 29 year old dumpy short little dumpy overweight high blood pressure snicker eating preacher that my friend you've got to quit blaming the devil for everything and you've got to quit blaming God for everything did you know every time you're tempted to sin it's not because there's a little white man on this shoulder and a black man on this shoulder and the white man saying don't and the black man saying do and the white man saying run and the black man saying try are you listening that's a Hollywood mentality that's not how this thing works you know where temptation stems from do you know where temptation originated from it's your low down no good for nothing rotten sorry carnal despicable unrighteous sinful wicked abominable flesh that you were born with we're wrapped up in the most wicked thing this world's ever known outside of hell and the devil your flesh is rotten to its core tonight 
You're tempted of your own lust. You're tempted of your own flesh. Bible said this in verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, that's when you give in. Where does temptation originate from? Verse 14. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own. What's he drawn away from? God. Righteousness. Holiness. Biblical principles and precepts and doctrine. Your flesh will entice you. It will try to pull you away from the things of God. It is called temptation and it's drawn away through lust. What is lust? It's the desires of your flesh. And so what happens if you let that temptation and that luring of lust draw you away from God? Verse 15. Lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth. Y'all got a King James Bible open, don't you? And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth. All right. And sin when it is. Hey, pay attention to your King James Bible. Sin ain't just a slap on the wrist and it's over. That's exactly right. Sin has a race of its own that it runs. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Listen to me. There's a good fight and there's a fight, my friend. If you don't win it, you're going down. What did Paul say? If you don't want to give in and fulfill the lust of the flesh, he said this, you got to walk in the Spirit that you do not fulfill the lust of your stinking flesh. I'm telling you, when you give in to your lust and you give in to sin and temptation, my friend, sin has a process. It don't just appear and go away, but it's a Christian cancer. It'll eat at you. It'll devour you. It will take you far than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll cost you more than deep pockets can pay. I'm telling you, sin will destroy you from the inside out. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. For the wages of sin is. So what's James say in this epistle, verse 16? If you don't want all that to happen, he says this. Do not err. Does everybody see that? Do not err, my beloved brethren. You know what I'm here to preach tonight? Same thing he's preaching. Brethren, do not err. Well, I ain't got to worry about it. I ain't going nowhere. Wrong you do have to worry about it. You all know how I know that? Because the Bible just told us in verse number 14, every man is tempted. That means as soon as you close your eyes to pray and we walk out that door, as a matter of fact, some of you will be tempted before we can even close our eyes and pray and walk out the door. Our stinking flesh is raging. Our spirit indeed is willing tonight. 
the flesh is weak. I can't tell you the people I've watched give in to their stinking flesh and temptation sitting on a church pew with the red faced slobbering Holy Ghost preacher trying to preach seeds into their soul. And before long, my friend, up there paying attention to something else or talking or going out back. By the way, I'm going to hit this while I'm here. It ain't never been on my heart, but I'm going to hit it while we're here. I counted every night when John Dorsey was preaching in this church. It's been over a month ago. And the highest total we had for people getting out and walking out them doors during the preaching was 18 times in a 40-minute sermon. I'm here to tell you as your pastor, that's absolutely stinking ridiculous. And it's childish. And it's carnal. And it's immature. And I don't care if you like it or not. One of the most respectful things that you can ever do to a man of God is get up and walk out while he's laboring in the pulpit. I ain't mad about that. I'm telling it right. 18 times in a 40 minute sermon. That's an average almost of one person every two minutes getting up. And I was paying attention. I don't see all that when I'm preaching as much. But when I'm sitting in that chair, I, saw, I noticed it on Monday night, about 14 or 15. I've got it in my phone. I've got the exact number. Pastors see all this stuff. Wish we didn't. First time was 14 or 15. Second time was 15 or 16. Third time was uh, uh, whatever. I can't remember. And then we got up to 18 times in 40 minutes. I'm sitting there thinking... I remember as a boy wanting to get up and go out. And I'd look at my mom and say, Mama, can I go use the bathroom? You sit down, shut up, don't move. Come on, somebody. Now don't get sour patch on me now because I'm, I'm, I'm getting down here where we live. Talk about temptation. You don't have to pee that many times. Your flesh hates sitting there. It's amazing. Thank you, two or three of you. Thank you, man. I'm going to need some help tonight. It's amazing you can sit down in a three and a half, four hour movie and never budge. You're locked in. But if a preacher preaches over 30 minutes, you're squirming around like ants is in your pants and you can't wait to get up and go outside and do something. I'm going to tell you what your problem is. Your flesh is raging and it's tempted and you give in and give up and give up and you'll sure enough miss something God has for you. And it ain't just about what you'll miss. It's about distracting everybody else. Right. Listen, Deacon, I'm going to need some volume. You're right. <laughs> Let me tell you another worst time you can get up and walk out. Let me tell you something. When I say every head bowed and every eye closed, that ain't liberty to go to the restroom and concession oh, stand. You, I can't tell you the times when I say let's all stand every head bowed and every eye closed and five of them will hit the door about every about the same five it switches up every now and then but about five of you hit that door and go outside and get on your phone start vaping smoking cigarettes by the way we're going to hit something else you need to quit smoking stinking cigarettes on God's property I'm sick of walking around finding cigarette butts uh, on God's property this is a holy I'm hmm, boy I'm preaching now this is God's place if you can't say no to your stinking cigarettes long enough that you ain't go out smoke and give these kids an image of something they'll need to see and sinners going by and the people of God looks like hell's opened up in the parking lot you're stinking slow down in your spirit and you're raging in your flesh have a little respect for the house of God 
So the church dismisses, we don't get outside and look like an Indian camp in a circle. You might as well say amen. amen. I didn't plan on all this. It's called Holy Ghost preaching. I've been holding on to that one thing since March. God ain't let me say a word about it. And I wanted to cuss everybody out the next Sunday. Help me somebody. I did. It's probably why God didn't let me say nothing. Because I was still mad about it. Don't get up my invitation. What if that person beside you, God really is dealing with them? And how many of y'all know when people are trying to get out of something, it don't take much? It don't take much. And all it is is, excuse me, sorry, i got to squeeze out. You've just given them a door to turn God off. Not pay no attention. Listen to me, this ain't serious. And it's temptation, that's our problem. You know how I know that we all struggle with this? Because I'm one of ye. I face the same temptations. Where's that come from? The old devil, he just worked my bladder over at invitation time. No, that's your flesh. Saying, don't go do business with God, you've got to pee. Y'all don't think your flesh is that wicked, your head's in the sand. Your flesh hates God. The people I'm looking at tonight in your flesh hates God. And the preacher, hate to burst your righteous bubble, the preacher you're looking at tonight in the flesh, my flesh hates God. Hates the things of God. The people of God. Why is it God's people tear you up quicker than anybody? Because your flesh hates them. If your flesh can find a way to get bitter, angry, upset with another child of God, next thing you know, you're at the house on Sunday. Next thing you know, you're back to drinking beer and partying on the weekends and fornicating, sleeping around, having a good old time. And your flesh is raging like a wolf and you're feeding it every day. And it all started with your stinking low down, no good for nothing flesh raging against a child of God. Hey, how many of y'all know most of the time they ain't even real problems? They're hiccups and they're bumps in the road. And sometimes when you get a hiccup. Only thing you need is a good drink of water. And then babies will go away. Quit blowing up and busting out and putting on a show. Every time your flesh gets upset learn to walk in the spirit and you would not fulfill the lust of your flesh. The reason you all time battling the same things is because you don't know how to crucify your flesh. That's why you all time struggle with the same things because you ain't got a grip on your flesh. Are you listening? This is Bible preaching. If you don't like it, you go talk to James. Amen. Every man, the Bible said in verse 14, is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And look here, enticed. Don't you think the devil don't know that our flesh is just as wicked as he is? And so every now and then when you're battling with that old flesh and he gets wind of it he just comes by and throws gas on the fire can I remind you what the word of God said can I remind you who your enemies are listen to me that person that's done you wrong a thousand times not your enemy that person that hates your guts and wish they would find you tomorrow morning in a puddle of blood with your neck cut open is not your enemy 
Come on, somebody. That person that's lying on you at work trying to get you fired is not your enemy. Your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle that you ain't spoke to in 30 years over a little whip stitch of nothing. They're not your enemy. Who's the enemy? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm going to tell you what happens. People get weak in their flesh and the devil sees a point of impact when they're given in to temptation and their own sinful fleshly desires. And then he moves and uses a crack to make them say or do something to get back at you. The next thing you know, you hate somebody and they ain't the problem. It's the spirit that's working in them is the problem. If you look at everybody when they do you wrong and say, my God, the devil's got a hold on them. Lord, please help them. Come on, somebody. It ain't them. Some of you probably need to apologize to somebody tonight. Say, I've been mad at you. I'm sorry. The problem ain't you. It's the stinking devil that's put a wedge between me and you. And it's my old flesh that's been enticed and worked up. And it's temptation I've given in to. And I'm sorry. I've been mad at you, but it ain't your fault. It's the devil's and my own. I wonder what kind of revival our churches would have. If we get our focus off of he said and she said and they did and I don't like and they said this. And just look and say, my God, I'm sick of all this. The devil hates us. And I'm going to do right by everybody whether they like me or not. I'm going to tell you the best gift that God ever gave me was learning to let go of stuff and just love people. I can stand before you tonight in the pulpit which God could kill me dead in for lying. If y'all don't believe that, you got your head in the sand too. I can stand here. I ain't always been able to do this, but I can stand here tonight and tell you I ain't got an enemy in the world. I can tell you that. Come on, why'd it get quiet right there? Y'all thank God that your preacher ain't got no bitterness in his heart nobody. I can honest to God tell you I don't have one enemy on this planet. I don't have one person that I'm bitter with. Hallelujah. That might not help you, but I remember the time I was eat up in it. Boy, I was mad because they hated me for no reason. But I can honestly tell you, through the years of ministry and God working on my heart, I ain't got one single person I'm bitter at tonight. Not one. I have no discord with anybody. Not one. Now, that don't mean everybody don't have discord with me. Y'all with me? But I'm clear on my end. Glory to God. I can lay eyes on anybody and I don't have to dart down the next aisle at Walmart. I can say hello and the peace of God reigns in my soul. I'm telling you, it's good to be set free from all that stuff. You talk about walking in the joy of the Lord. Let go of all that. Wasn't them that done you wrong. It was a spirit that worketh in them. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Talking about temptation, you'll know first thing your flesh says when somebody does does you like that to retaliate. That ain't the devil whispering. Quit blaming the devil for all your stupid stuff. That's your flesh. They slap me. I'm slapping them back. That's in all of us. I mean, I'm not saying I ain't tempted. Are y'all with me? 
And I sit here and say, I can honestly tell you, I don't have no grudges, no bitterness. That don't mean I'm not tempted with it. There's still some people, when I see them, the Lord says, hey, you're good. Thank God you got peace. But about as soon as he's done, my flesh said, you ought to slap the taste out of their mouth. Can I get a witness? But you know what I have to do? Die, flesh. Die, flesh. God's bigger than how you're feeling, Josh Griffith. You low down, no good for nothing, scandal, conniving, piece of junk, ought to be in hell. I gotta talk to myself like that. Because that's who I am. Problem with some of you is you've never looked in the mirror and said, You are a worthless dog. That's why you ain't got no liberty in the Lord. It's you too, you think too much of yourself. But if you look in that mirror and realize we deserve to be in the charred walls of the damned. You'd give God glory for another day of life. You wouldn't have grudges and holds and bitterness and strongholds if you realized who you was. We ain't worth a plug nickel outside of His goodness and His righteousness. We ain't worth a dime but thank God we's worth something to Him. Amen. Preaching like this, you know what it does? It, it bothers the flesh. But that's the whole message. You know what's bringing you into bondage? The flesh. Are you trying to bother our flesh? Yes. Yes, I am. No apologies are given and no apologies are needed. You come to church to hear preaching or get a pat on the butt. I don't know, but I'm not rocking y'all to sleep and patting you on the butt and giving you a bottle of milk. I'm here to tell you our flesh will destroy every one of us if we let it. It'll destroy this church. You get a whole body of believers getting the flesh, you'll have the biggest church split this side of hell. It'll bust five million different ways. Three churches will get started out of it. And they'll all have trouble for the next 30 years because they started wrong. This goes out on the airway, by the way. So they're going to be a preacher somewhere got his feelings hurt, got a little rash on his butt and left his pastor and forsook everybody and flipped them all off in the parking lot and burnt their church van and started him a church in rebellion and bitterness. Are you with me? And sir, if you're listening under the Holy Ghost, that's why you've got the problems you've got. We can't do that. You got to walk in the Spirit in order not to give in to that temptation to fulfill the lust of the flesh. My God, I've got a lot of preaching to do and no time to get there. Can I remind you what the Bible said about this? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Amen. Now listen. I've told you how bad that flesh rages and how many temptations it brings. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. That ought to make you shout. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Everybody takes 1 Corinthians 10 and preaches God won't put more on you and you can bear it. That ain't what it says. 
God will load your wagon and you can't pull it just so you've got to ask Him for help and you can see He's the only one can pull your load. That way you'll fall on your knees and bless His name. God will put more on you you can bear, but God will never let a temptation come that you don't have a way out and victory to escape. He's always provided a way of escape from temptation. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who finds a way to escape with God. That's my seventh point. Blessed is the man who finds a way to escape with God. You know what 1 Peter chapter 1, 6, 7, 8, 9 says? It says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, Amen. even the salvation of your soul. Second Peter 2 9 said, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Y'all, if you're taking notes, you need to write them verses down. They help you. Second Peter 2 9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust to the day of judgment to be punished. So here's my question. Blessed is the man who finds a way of escape with God. How can God make a way for us to escape our very own lustful? Temptations and trials of temptation. I've told you what temptation is. Now I'm going to tell you how to find the escape and the way out. Is everybody all right? First of all, how has God made a way for us to escape our very own lustful temptations? Number one, how are you going to find a way out of it? By running to the Savior. As soon as your flesh rears up, you need to run to Jesus. I know that sounds simple, but I got Bible for it. You need to write this down. Hebrews 4.15 said, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Look here. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet. Glory to God without sin. You don't know how to find a way out? Go to the one who found a way out. You don't know what I'm going to do if I get lost along my journey? Used to when my gramps was alive. This was before GPS was really popular. Before you had it on your phone and all that. I remember as a boy, we'd go on vacations and I'd hear sometimes dad or mom wouldn't call. If we was headed on vacation or somewhere and we didn't know where to go, we'd call my gramps. Let's just use my mom for example. She'd call and she'd say, Gramps, Mike... We're at such and such, and we're trying to get to such and such. And he'd start saying, well, what, what, where, where are you at right? What's the road you're on right now? We'd tell him, he'd say, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to go down there, and you need to hit I-90, and you need to take it to the 232nd exit, and you need to get off there. And then eight miles from there is a bypass around that construction zone. And once you get around that con- construction zone, there's a good coffee shop there if you'd like to stop. Stop and get you a cup of coffee. And then if you'll go on another about 30 miles, I believe it's 30 or 32 miles, there's a big sign that says Sandals Beach Resort. Just pull up, and there you'll be, you'll be right there. Yeah. 
How do you know that? He'd been there before. My gramps was a truck driver. He traveled this nation over, well over a million miles for 30 plus years. He drove all over the country. And when he started driving, they didn't have, you are approaching your destination. Turn right. You turn. Turn right. They didn't have all that. You know what he had? I remember. I'd go on the road with him every year when I was a boy. He had a map about that big, a book. He'd flip that map open and he'd look and lie every little line dotted line, every little road and he'd look to where he's going and see and he'd memorize that book nearly from beginning to end. An atlas. It was amazing. He didn't have to have no GPS, no coordinates, no... He had traveled this country over. He had seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you know what we did? When we didn't know where to go or what to do, we called the man that did. I'm facing something in my flesh I've never faced before. Good news, neighbor! Jesus said in His Word, we've got a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted just like we are yet. Without sin, there's not one temptation you'll face that he's not faced. So I've never dealt with this before. Call the one who has run to Jesus. When temptation comes your way, how do you find a way out? You look up, you run to him and say, Lord, I ain't never dealt with this, but that Bible said you've been tempted in all points just like we are. Look here, here's the catch-all. Yet without sin. Amen. Temptation comes from where? This flesh and the lust. And when lust, uh, when lust hath conceived and lust and sin or iniquity continue on, it brings forth death. And when, uh, when it's done with you, I mean, it'll spew you up, spit you out. How do you find a way of escape? You run to Jesus. Because He's been tempted in all points. Yet. Without saying, Lord, I'm battling this and I don't know how to overcome it. Let's get honest. Let's get honest. I got two more. I hope I can get them in 15 minutes. How many of you today fell to temptation? How many of y'all give in today to your flesh? I wonder what kind of service we'd have if we all come in here. You say, well, preacher, we ain't got no choice. It's not what we read. Do y'all have your Bibles open? I want you to read it for yourself. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 10. And, and, and maybe you need to write this down. and Maybe you need to get it out every time you're fixing to give in. And you need to read this. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. If you're there, say amen. amen. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Who's got it? Who's got it? Y'all there? Everybody there? Brother Caleb, are you there? Read that for us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Hello. Does everybody read that? Yeah. Did you see what God said? Yes, sir. So, 
How many hands again gave in to some temptation today? Let's just be honest. Raise your hands now. Come on. Don't, don't be self-righteous. All right. That's a, that's a pretty good number. I've given in to my old flesh temptations today. All right. <clears throat> Keep your hands up now. All right. Does everybody see that? Look around. Look who all's guilty. All right. Now let's put them down. All right. Now who had an excuse for your temptation? Would you raise your hand? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you had no excuse. Anybody else have an excuse for their sin today? The altars are open. Marilyn Griffith is the only person on the planet that did have an excuse for her sin. I didn't want to ask. Why does nobody have an excuse to give in to temptation? We just read it. Because the Bible said God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to what? Who's making the way? Pretty good indicator of God said He'll make a way to escape. You can escape it. What's the problem? We don't run to Jesus. When temptation comes and that flesh rears up and you want to sin and you're enticed and your flesh is raging and lust conceives and from the lust conceiving it brings sin and sin brings forth death. Why do we do the things we do? We fail to run to Jesus. Listen to me, child of God. The day you think you can make your own way of escape, you have fallen in your sin. You can't overcome your flesh on your own. You got to run to Jesus. Secondly, secondly, how has God made a way for us to escape our own temptation, our own sin, our own flesh, our own lustful desires? Number two, by reading the scriptures. You all know a good way to get out of your sin and find that way of escape? Not just run to the Savior. Read your Bible. Read the Scriptures. Look with me in Matthew quickly. We got to hurry. I only got eleven minutes. Look with me in Matthew chapter four. Remember, we just read in First Corinthians ten that our High Priest was tempted in all points, just like we are, yet without sin. And so here we're going to read about Jesus being tempted of the devil. This is where he's tempted of the devil. Look in verse number 1. Matthew 4, 1. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came unto him. Now let me take a time out. It's no coincidence that Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Then the tempter comes to him. He's, he's weak, but he's, he's also as strong as he's ever been. Because when we're weak, what does fasting do? It crucifies your what? So he took time, 40 days and 40 nights, to kill the instigator of temptation, which was... All right, the flesh, the man, the flesh of man. 
So there we see a type for us to when you decide, okay, I'm, I'm dying to self. Guess when the devil shows up? Verse 3, when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, ain't, ain't the devil sly little thing? Command that these stones made bread. But he answered and said, can anybody read those next three words? <laughs> it is written, Amen. Glory to God, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, verse 5, and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. In their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, What? I like that next part. It is written. Hey. That works today, tomorrow, and ten years from now. It is written again. Verse 8. Again the devil taketh him up to exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. Verse 11. Look what happened. Then the devil what? And behold... Angels came. I'm about to throw my shoe again. And y'all know what it's like for the devil to be strapped on your back. Temptation. temptation. Now I don't say we can't blame it all on him, but here we see a type of a Christian fasting 40 days, 40 nights. It crucifies the flesh of man and we've done all we can do. We've said no, 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 no. And we've sown to the Spirit. We've died to the flesh. Therefore we're weak in the flesh. Then here comes the devil. What do we do? We've already ran to Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, we've grown closer to Him. We've ran to Him. We've sowed in righteousness. But now the devil comes with temptation. What do we do? Hey, go, I'm about to throw something. We grab this King James Bible. And you know what you say? Hey, devil, as it is written. And the next day, he comes by knocking on your door. And glory to God, you stand up and say, Hey, devil, you bug-eyed bastard, as it is written again, 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 again. Tell him to go back to hell where he come from. Some of y'all looking at me like I cussed. I didn't cuss. It's what he is. A bastard is a man that does not know his father. And he had one. He was forsook because he... Turned from righteousness and made it all about him, God cast him out. Therefore, he's no longer considered any kind of relation to God. He's a bastard and the father of all bastards. Amen. People don't like Bible language, makes them uncomfortable. That's Bible. Amen. Well, take it or leave it. Thirdly, I'm done. How has God made a way for us to escape our very own lustful temptations? Not only by running to Jesus and 
reading the scriptures. But thirdly, he's made a way by real supplication. You're in Matthew. Go to chapter number 26. Matthew 26. Look at verse 41. Actually, look at verse number... uh, Look at verse 36. Matthew 26, 36. If you're there, say amen. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go yonder, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then he saith unto him, my, Them my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and what? That you enter not into what? For the Spirit indeed is willing, but the what? Is what? Mm. Run to Jesus. He's been tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. He can tell you how to get out of it. Read the Scriptures as it is written. Let me tell you something. You know what the devil has to do with that word? What did he do in Matthew 4? He left. He can't overcome that Bible. You start giving him the word, that joker takes out like a cat in a room full of, a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. He's getting out of there. You run to the Savior and you read the Scriptures, but then you're going to have to have a life of real supplication. You know the best thing you can do for temptation? One of the best things? Fall on your face and pray. Admit to God, Lord, I'm about to go down. What did He tell them? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. What's going on here? Jesus is praying in the garden of Gethsemane. He's fixing to go to the cross. The cup of the sin and the wrath of Almighty God and the sin of the world has been put upon Him. He prays until His sweat turns to blood. And Peter, James, and John, all He told them to do is pray for one hour. And what did they do? They go to bed on him. Why? Same reason half y'all nod off on me on Sunday mornings. You're stinking flesh. Mm. Luke twenty two forty. When he was at the place, he said unto them, "Pray that you enter not to temptation." Luke twenty two forty six. And he said unto them, "Why sleep you? Rise and pray." Lest you enter into temptation. Can I tell you, blessed is the man who finds the way of escape. My friend, we must have a life of real supplication in order to escape unrighteous temptation. If you're taking notes, you need to write that down. We must have a life of real supplication in order to escape unrighteous Temptation. John's gospel still says in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Blessed is the man who walks with God. Blessed is the man that's been washed by God. Blessed is the man who waits on God. Blessed is the man that worships God. Blessed is the man who's whipped by God. 
Blessed is the man who loves the Word of God. Blessed is the man who finds a way to escape with God. Amen. There's no temptation that you can't overcome. Let's all stand. Father, we love you.